0: Hey, good morning, Bridge Community Church. So good to, to be with you this morning. Thanks so much for joining Bridge Online. Okay, bef- before we get started with anything, here's what I need you to do. Stand up wherever you are. We're gonna do some stretches. So everybody on the couch, come on. Stand up wherever you are. We're gonna do some stretches because I know you've been sitting for a while. Okay, ready? Stand up. Now raise your hands above your head like this. Okay, good. Get a good stretch in there. Lean to your... uh your left, that would be. Go ahead. And then now lean to your right. Oh, yeah, that's good. And then if you need to hit some toe touches, just, just real quick. One, two, one, two, toe touches. That's good. Beautiful. you Beautiful. I love it. Now you're stretched out and you're ready to go. Hey, my name is Matt. I am uh, honored to be here speaking to you this morning. I am the pastor of youth and worship ministries here. And I'm just excited to bring you today's word. And hey, I'm excited also that it's graduation Sunday, and I know, and I stand with all the graduates and say, hey, we're excited for you guys. We're excited for your next step, and really, honestly, everybody here is just sad to see the way that it turned out. I mean, we all, our hearts go out to all the seniors. I know you've heard that probably before from other sources, but our hearts go out to you, and I know there's been, like, trips canceled. There's been, you know, senior trips moved. Like, I was talking to one guy and his 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 senior trip to California had got canceled, and another girl her her senior trip is is happening, but it's social distancing, so it's just different. It's just different. But we love you, seniors. We love you. We love you. We love you, and we're excited for you. But I mean, here's the deal. Even though like okay, even though senior trips got canceled, uh, senior trips are just weird in general. Because so so I took I took a senior trip. Obviously, I'm. A, when I was a senior, I, I was a went to a Christian school. We had about like 22 people in our graduating class, and so we're at Sandbridge, Virginia. That's where we we got to go for on our, on our senior trip, and um, you know, Beach Town Boardwalk, the whole the whole nine yards. You know, it was it was a ton of fun and stuff, but uh, in reality, when you're on your senior trip, like uh, you have this sense of freedom that's brand new, but in reality, it's like this. Actual false sense of freedom. Like, I actually, I, I remember telling people uh, when when I was a senior, I, I told people, I actually get to do whatever I want to now. Like, I don't have to go to school every day at eight in the morning. I get to do what I want to now. And so, um, people actually probably laughed at me, to be honest with you, because um, now I realize how weird that was because I went to college and then. I just went to school every single day. It just looked a little bit different. So, okay, so we're back. back, I'm on my senior trip, Sandbridge, Virginia. We have this weird sense of freedom. We have our own money now. We have our own time. And me and all the senior guys, we're all just kind of hanging out. And we decide to do a boardwalk haunted house. And if you just cringed hearing that, that's okay. Because if, if you don't do something on the boardwalk, that you walk away later and say, wow, they just stole money out of my pocket. You need to open your eyes a little bit. So, so we all go to this, this haunted house, right? And, you know, uh, they take way too much money. And after, you know, we signed a waiver that we pretended to read, we decided that, you know, they started to, they started to like indoctrinate us on what the haunted house would be like. And so they, say, they start saying all this stuff like... Um, like, okay, so we have a serial killer who lives here and he was a runaway from the government. And just the fact that he's here right now with us, like that's okay because of some sort of government thing. And, and he, he got to be a serial killer because he killed 18 year old guys. And we're, we're all 18, you know, we're like, okay, obviously they're messing with us at this point. So, so we, we, we go in the haunted house and we're like, you know, the first jump scare, like, oh, 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 wow. A chainsaw, how original! Or like, oh wow, like a, um, I don't know, like a puppet or or whatever, like that. And, you know, you know, it's dark and you know they're playing like heavy metal music real loud, and we're all just like, this, this is this is nothing. Come on. And then the, the the thing that hit it for me was, um, there was an actual little person who ran past all of us and like smacked our legs, and that freaked me out because I was like, whoa, like I was scared out of my mind at that point forward. Now everything else around me started, started, started seeming a lot more scary. And like that, you know, that, the flame that just pops up, I'm like, ah, and, and I'm all of a sudden like freaking out at everything else like that. And I suddenly go like, I'm finding myself like my hand is on the dude in front of me and I'm like covering my mouth and I'm just freaking out. And you know, they did the whole other jump scares and things like that. Obviously none of this was like a real haunted house. It was all fake. Like it was just fun, like, you know, quips and stuff like that. So we, we, we get to the end though. And they open the door on back to the boardwalk and, um, it was bright outside and we were like, oh good, we're finally done. Like half of us had peed our pants at this point. And uh, it was okay because we were in swimming suits anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But we 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 finally were done and we were able to look back at the haunted house, like what was in the haunted house. And it was literally like like puppets and like just like stupid like kid zone puppets like stupid stuff that made us afraid like we're like looking back like wow how did we get scared at like yarn that hit our shoulder and like all this stupid stuff cuz we look back and we're it's you know hindsight is 2020 20. we look back and we're like oh man we are afraid of that oh man and it's so funny because in reality in our own lives in many ways we get scared of things in, in different scenarios, in different stages of our life. And then when we look back at it, we're like, why was I even scared about that in the first place? Why did that thing that in the, while I was in there haunted me, while I was in the situation was so scary? Why? And then we would look back and we're like, why did that, why did that actually make me scared? And so today I want to kind of talk about that. We, we've all in some sort of scenario or stage of our life, have experienced fear, have experienced worry, have experienced doubt, have experienced anxiety, have experienced uncertainty. And so that's what I want to talk about today. The Holy Spirit knew that this was the sermon that needed to be preached today. With everything else going around in our world, the Holy Spirit knew that today we were going to be talking about fear and anxiety and doubt and everything else like that. He knew that because my main point is this. In everything, God's working it out. In everything, God is working it out. That is my main point. And that can be applied to everything that we're facing today. The Holy Spirit knew. So lean in today. Lean into what God wants to speak to you. Because I believe he wants to speak to you today about this subject. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for being real to us. We thank you so much for having us in your hands. God be with us today. Amen. I know I felt in this time of quarantine of this pandemic, I know I've felt overwhelmed at points. I know that you have probably felt uh, overwhelmed. You felt the weight of uncertainty. You felt um, the pressures of life in a new way. You felt different things in a new way. And we get to look at a story today in the book of Acts of uh, the Apostle Paul experiencing these different things and learning from this situation. And it's an incredible absolutely incredible story. It's Paul, it's it's in Acts 27. It's when Paul gets into a shipwreck. Sorry, I just told you the end of the story, but that's what's going to happen. And so we get to, to lean into this story because Paul's motive in going to, he, he wanted to go to Rome so that he can start his missions, like his whole missions dream in Rome. His base was going to be in Rome, but then he was going to go west and go to Spain. So he's like, I want to go to Rome. And that was his goal. And that was his mission. But he actually didn't know that it was going to look like the way he did, because right at that moment in time, he was in chains. He was a prisoner. And so like, so he was going to where he wanted to go, but it didn't look like the way that he had expected it to look. And so we get to look at the story today. It's really cool. It's a really great story. Um, And we're going to start in Acts 27, verse 10. It says this, men, he said, this is Paul talking. Men, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger for our lives as well. And so at this time, it was late in the season. It was late in the season to sail. And here's the deal. Paul had his like frequent flyer mile of the sea. Like he he had his frequent sailing Card, if you will, like he, he had been sailing for a while. So he knew a thing or two about sailing. He had been in probably even like two to three shipwrecks at this point. So he knew a thing or two about sailing. So he's telling the, the, the captain, he's telling the crew, Hey, there is danger up ahead. If we move on, there is serious danger. And so um, and everybody knew who this dude was. Everybody knew Paul was connected to God. Everybody knew that he was a prisoner for for um, you know preaching the gospel. Everybody knew that he was this like almost prophet of the day. Like he was connected to God. But in the next verse, um, we get to see the officer's choice of verse eleven. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul he listened more to the ship's captain the owner than to Paul. And here's the deal. In this situation, he had two options. To choose what he was comfortable with, what he knew was consistent, what he knew what was going to happen, you know, the most certain option. Or trust that this man was actually from God. This man, Paul, was actually from God, and he knew what he was talking about. And that's really what we're doing today. Like, There is two voices in our situations. The the road of trust that you know we know is best that leads to not the greatest stuff, or the road that we trust Jesus and we go on that road. That's the, the tension that we're feeling here. That's what he had decided between. And so here's here's point one: fear is misplaced trust. Fear is misplaced trust. Fear is not the lack of trust. It's actually trusting in the wrong thing. See, when we fear, feel fearful, we want to take control and, of a situation. And instead of trusting in God, we trust in ourselves over God because when we're in when we're in fear, when we're feeling anxiety, when we're feeling like we don't know what to do, we want to grab a hold of the situation and take control of the situation. But in reality, that's actually counterproductive. If we don't submit our ways to God, if we don't trust God with our steps, then literally we're going to go backwards. And we get to see that in the, in this story. Um and and it's cool I wrote this down. The desire for control is the start of fear. The desire for control is the start of fear. And we all, we all know what a lack of control uh, is like. I mean, we, we, we just went through this pandemic. Uh, that's pretty much still happening. And we, so we all know what it's like to lose control. We all know what it's like to not be able to go to our grocery stores, our restaurants, the places that we used to go to, dry cleaner, wherever you used to go we know what it's like to to not be in control. And so instead of grabbing control of the situation and feeling the fear and anxiety that happens when you don't have control, Paul in this situation is saying, yo, trust me because I know the one who has everything in control. And so we get to move on, verse 12. And since Fairhaven's was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix farther up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. See, here's the deal. He wanted actually to protect the ship over everything else. He wanted to protect his his cargo over everything else. We learned later that this was a grain ship, so not only was he going to get some prisoners to Rome and get money for that, but he was going to get a lot of money from the grain. He was going to get some bread from the grain. If you know what I'm talking about, high school students, he was about to get some bread from that grain. And so he was going, the the ship's captain was saying like, I really don't care about the safety of who's on board. I just care about what is in my value system. I just care about what I value. I just care about what what is good for me. And so oftentimes a source of anxiety comes from caring more for what, for stuff than people, for what doesn't matter, than people. And that's honestly, in our life, a source of anxiety that we do because it's misplaced trust. Verse 13, it says, when a light wind blowing from the south, when, when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they can make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. And so this light wind would actually help them not be blown out to sea. So they would stay close to, to the, the, the coastline. But in reality, where they were at in Fair Havens, uh, they didn't know what was going to happen because there was mountains that were surrounding the entire city. So they couldn't see any storm clouds. So they were just like, oh, a light wind from the south. We can do this. We can make it to Phoenix. But in reality, they were actually just going off of what they felt and not off of what they saw. They weren't trusting in in Paul, who is connected to the one who knows everything. And instead of doing that, they trusted in what they felt. And how many times in our life do we trust in what we feel over what God wants to do in our life? How many times in our life do, do we move in ways that is more of a feel thing? We lead our families in ways that is more of a feel thing. I feel this is right. When it's in reality, that's not the correct way to do it. Submit, trust in Jesus Christ. That's the way to go because um, we'll see what happens. Um, they trusted in what they can see, misplaced trust. Verse 14, but the weather changed abruptly, surprise. And a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster, burst across the island and blew us out to sea. This is Luke writing about the, the whole situation. So it was an unexpected change. Verse 15, the sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. And the gale is just a strong wind. And this is the moment that they lost control. This is the moment that, when, that they couldn't trust in what they see anymore. And what does Hebrews say about faith? It's evidence of things hoped for, certainty of things not seen. So they instead trusted in what they saw instead of putting their trust in the one who could see everything, the things that they can't see. And in our life, how many times do we put so much trust in what we see and that leads to such anxiety and that leads to so much fear in our life because we're trusting in something that, that... we're making up movies in our mind, film reels in our mind that, that don't even exist. And we're trusting that that's gonna be the way it plays out instead of trusting the one who holds our tomorrow. Instead of, instead of being fearful or ba- about tomorrow, trust the one who holds your tomorrow. Don't just, don't just be bitter and angry and anxious about what could happen. Use that energy to trust Jesus Christ. And number two, this is my second point. The first point was fear is misplaced trust. Second point, your faith and your fear are dependent on your focus. Your faith and your fear are dependent on your focus. See, I think everybody, every one of us was kind of afraid of of the dark as a kid, right? Um, And what helped when um, it was a dark room switching the light on? That always helps because we have this fear of things that we don't No, We have this fear of things that we can't see. We have this fear of things we can't even maybe control. And so your faith and your fear are dependent on your focus. If we focus, you know, it's okay to not know what we don't know. It's okay to to not control what we don't know. But when you put your focus on the things that you don't see, that becomes fear when you put your focus on things that you can't see, that will be fear. I've done it so many times in my life where I put my focus on scenarios and situations that aren't even going to happen. And that just leads down a road of anxiety and even depression or just just a unwillingness to, to, to go on with life. That will definitely hurt. Verse 17 says this, the sailors bound ropes around the, the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Surtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to show, to slow the ship, and were driven before the wind. See, they were protecting what they knew. When they realized there was nothing that they can do, they became afraid. It says it right in the verse. They were afraid of being driven across. So they were like, well, we'll just do everything that we can do. And when, <laughs> how many times you, you, you just be in a situation it's like, oh, I don't know what the, what's gonna happen. So I'm just gonna do what I can. I'm just gonna control you know, what I can. I'm just gonna do what I can and reach and grab and email this person and text this person and call this person because I didn't do that or I didn't say that, or I didn't mean that when I said that because I'm gonna control my side and I'm gonna do what I, no, that is total anxiety. That is total confusion. You don't want to be in that place. They're over there trying to swing ropes underneath their ship to protect it from potential sandbars. It's not even a good tactic. I'm just reading about it. It's not even a good idea. Like it's okay. Like it might might help. It's not even going to do much. Like if they hit a sandbar, they're still going to hit a sandbar. Verse 18, the next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard the following day. They even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. And we've been in this conversation now because of the pandemic that is uh, um, essential versus non-essential. And it's interesting because these, uh, the crew here is deeming what they once saw essential as non-essential. And as we are, are stripped away in this pandemic and, and as we have been um, kind of pushed to a place where we realize what is truly important in life, we have been also pushed to a place where we have to recognize what is essential in our life and what is not essential in our life, or maybe who is essential in our life and who is not essential in our life, or or what thought process was essential, is essential in my life, and what thought process should not be essential in my life. You know, we have to actually take some time here. You know, everybody experienced this, but if you're not gonna reflect at the end of this pandemic, then why do you even go through it? Like, if you're not gonna actually sit down and say, wow, I learned this in this pandemic, then what's the point of it happening? It was just the pandemic that happened. <laughs> well, I know that's a little weird just to say, just the pandemic. But in reality, if you're not gonna sit down and grow emotionally from it, then why would God allow this to happen to us? God wants, God didn't do it, but he wants to move through it. So He, he so in this in this scenario, he realizes that, Fear is a value issue. And I said this before, but if I focus on the wrong things, because fear and faith are attached to my focus, if I focus on the wrong things, my fear will grow if I'm focusing on the thing that will give me fear. Like if I'm focused on the uncertainty of life, I'm gonna be fearful. If I'm focused on the situation that won't, I don't know the outcome of, I'm gonna have anxiety here's the deal. Fear is a value issue. If I put, you know, what, the, what does the Bible say? Your tr- your, where your treasure is, your heart is. So if I put my treasure in my job, when I lose my job, I'm going to be crushed. When I put my treasure in my money, when I lose my money, I'm going to be crushed. When I put my treasure in something of this earth and I lose it, I'm going to be crushed. When I put, here's, here's something that we all struggle with when I put my treasure in what other people think of me, when I think they are thinking something wrong of me, I will be crushed. They don't even have to say anything. I'm still gonna be crushed. When I put my focus on things that are not Jesus Christ, then you might as well be out to sea right now in a storm, gale force winds as it's saying. You might as well, because your fear is is dictating your life. Your focus is dictating your life. Instead, have the focus of faith. And that's the focus that no matter what happens, no matter what storm or what gale is gonna hit me, I will be founded and and stand strong on the rock that is Jesus Christ because he's not gonna move. No matter what I face, he's never gonna move. And I can stand strong on Jesus Christ because he is faithful and he has always been faithful in my life. Come on. So here we go. Fear is a value issue. Verse 20 says this, and don't we know this, the terrible storm raged on for many days since like March 19th for everybody else, right? I don't know. Um, Blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. And they realized that when they had lost control, they had lost hope. I heard this quote from... um, faithful person in Jesus Christ. Your emotion follows your devotion. So what you're devoted to, your emotion will follow. And um, if you get tore up every time something changes in your job, in your life, maybe your devotion is in the wrong place. If you're experiencing anxiety right now, I just want to challenge you with this question. What are you focused on? If you're experiencing anxiety, hardships or, or even depression or, or something else in your life right now, I just wanna challenge you with this question. What are you focused on? What are you focused on? Because my favorite verse ever, my favorite verse ever, John 16, 33 says, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples, disciples and he says, I've, to- I've told you all these things so that you may have peace in me. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And so Jesus is basically saying, if you focus on things of this world, you're going to have trouble. If you focus on the things of this world, you're going to have trouble. But if you focus on me, you will have peace. If you focus on the things of this world, it is going up and down, left and right. You can't do it because you will have trouble. But if you focus on Jesus Christ, you will have peace. You will have peace. And even there's a verse that says, um, Um, cast your cares and anxieties on me and in due time, I will lift you up. And so basically, like, if you're like, well, God never did anything for me when I gave him my fears and when I gave him my whatever's, I asked for peace, but I didn't get any peace. And So that verse is so so good there because it says in due time, he will lift you up. It's not a equation, an equation of like prayer, like prayer, like anxiety plus prayer equals peace. Like as soon as I pray over my anxiety, I'm gonna experience peace. That's not what it, it says at all. And we're gonna actually get to that in a little bit. It's so good the way it, it is. So um, it's so good. And I know that I felt a lot of anxiety in this time for, for other reasons too. I, I just wanna just express from my heart a, a heartfelt thank you um, that you have been praying for my mom. I just wanna give you a quick update. Thank you so much for praying for my mom with me and with Mary and my family for my mom. Uh, she was diagnosed in December, I believe, with stage four breast cancer. And she started re- receiving treatments in January. And she, uh, she received six rounds of treatments and throughout the whole treatment s- cycles, um, she started being better. Like her you know, signs of, of cancer were, were decreasing and things like that. And she was doing a lot, a lot better. and. Uh, it was so cool because after her sixth round, her final round of of chemo treatment, she got a PET scan and which is a scan that shows active spreading cancer cells. And the scan came back, no malignancy found, which essentially just means that the cancer is not aggressively spreading anymore. And so that is, so thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for praying with my family. Um, I know that the thing that always hit me as me, like the thing that always hit me was knowing that there's people from Bridge, there's people from Pittsburgh, there's people from Texas, all around the world who are praying for my mom that still gets me. Um, So thank you so much for praying. But I know that in those moments, if I thought of the, the, the situation, the diagnosis, if I thought of that and I focused on that, that would give me so much crippling anxiety. I remember even going back here and just crying one day because I couldn't even stand it anymore. If I thought of that, that would give me anxiety. But if I thought that Jesus, I thought of Jesus, my savior and my healer and my deliverer, because he's the one who, who holds the brokenhearted? He's close to the brokenhearted. He's the one who is is the healer. He said, "By my stripes, you're healed." If I focused on that, then my faith increases. If I focus on all the faithful saints around me praying for my mom, then my faith increased. Because if I focus on if I focus on what my the sickness looks like and the diagnosis looks like, if I focused on that, then that would never bring me peace. But I focus on the Prince of Peace, and I focus on the one who gives me peace because he is the savior and he will give you peace and he is healed. I believe he's still healing my mom. So please, please, please continue to pray for my mom as she walks through this, this time, as we walk through this time together, um, continuing on in the story. So Paul is, uh, he's on the ship and he has this vision. And he tells everybody, he's like, yo, um, here's the deal. I had this vision last night an angel came to me and uh, the ship's going down, but everybody's gonna be okay, but the ship is, is we're gonna crash. So uh, just an FYI. Uh, so it, all this like throwing cargo overboard, whatever, you can do that, whatever you wanna do, but the ship's going down. Um, so just just a, just a heads up. And so he realizes in this moment, it's actually really cool. He has an epiphany because he realizes that because he's going to Rome in chains, the way that he didn't expect to go to Rome, he's realizing that the same thing is happening to the sailors and the crew and the captain of the ship. They, everybody got, has to get to Rome, but they aren't going the way that they expected to go. They, nobody expected the ship to break apart. So, but Paul is saying, hey, hey, God's speaking to me through this situation. I'm going to Rome in a way that is unexpected, you are gonna be safe in a way that's unexpected. And God's gonna teach you something about your value system as we go. So he has this epiphany that like, wow, this is, this is a crazy great thing that's gonna happen. And so here's my final point. A blessing in disguise never feels like one. A blessing in disguise never feels like one. This is so good um, because actually later on, fast forward out of this time, that Paul's, uh, after this time, you know, Paul's in in prison and stuff like that. He gets to Rome finally, and he writes um, Philippians, which we'll read from later. But there's so much blessing that happens in this time, even though it didn't feel like it. And I know I have felt so many times in this pandemic, anxiety like I have never felt. There have been times that I have not been able to fall asleep, there have been times where I've woken up in the middle of the night and haven't been able to fall back asleep just because I'm I'm playing in my mind that movie of things that just wouldn't happen. And in reality, there was one time I remember it was a Monday morning. I had a lot of the case of the Mondays on this time. And I remember praying to God, it was like 8 40, just about to head to work, and I just said, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Like, I don't even feel like being a pastor. I don't feel like I'm, I'm equipped for this. I don't even feel like I'm a good at what I do. I'm done. I, I might even quit, God. I'm done with this. And then God spoke to me so strongly, yet so sweetly. He said, I was waiting for you to get there because now is the moment that I can work through you. And so in that time, that, that pain that I felt, that anxiety that I felt was a blessing in disguise because he revealed to me that he works through weakness, that his glory is shown in my weakness. And so I said, okay, God, you do it. You go ahead. I'm, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. So it's all on you. And he came through and he's faithful. And he always is because a blessing in disguise never feels like it. Pain, fear, disappointment is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign that you need to open yourself up to God a little bit more. There is something that God wants to do in your life. And maybe the cue for your life is right now, disappointment or fear, but, or anxiety like me. There's something that God wants to do in those times. Like he, he wants to do something in those times and he can't do the work that he needs to do in your life in the, the mountain, when everything's okay, that he can right now when you're feeling disappointed, fearful, anxious, worrisome, or anything else like that. He wants to do a work in your life. Romans 5, glory and suffering. I we talked about it last week. Paul preached a great message on that. Check it out. Verse 27, about midnight on the fourth, 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed that land was near. And so they, uh, they tried, actually, this story continues. They tried to get in the lifeboats and go to shore. But in verse 31, it says this, but Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. And see, here's, here's actually what was happening here. Paul is saying, why are you running from your disappointment? Why are you running from your fear? Because that's what we do as humans, we don't wanna be in pain. We don't wanna be in disappointment. We don't wanna be in this in, in, a, in a state of fear. Like we run, we hide, we deny, we pretend like it doesn't exist. We would rather do anything than, than be in this state of anxiety. But Paul is saying, if you don't stay in this ship, if you don't stay in this place, you will die. And so God is saying to us today, if you don't be okay with where you are right now in this fear, in this in this worry, in this disappointment, in this anxiety, if you are not okay with this right now, then I can't do my work in you. Cause I didn't know, but like God taught me so many things through this time that I wouldn't have known unless I went through it. Like God wants to speak to you in this time. He wants to go through this time with you. And he says, stay in the the stickiness, stay in the disappointment, stay in it, because he's with you in it. Don't remove yourself or distract yourself. Because Jesus, when he hung on the cross, one of the Roman soldiers said, why don't you just call down an army of angels and come to just take you off? And he could have. He could have D- decided to not stay in the, the pain. He could have decided to not stay in the brokenness and the disappointment. He could have decided to not stay in the turmoil, but he did, and he did it for you and he did it for me. He decided to stay in the pain to take our pain away forever. And so we can't just say, oh, I'm gonna take myself out of this pain. I'm gonna take myself out of this because Jesus did it for us. And that pain that we sense, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that pain that we know, that pain that we sense, that fear that we have, that's temporary. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that is temporary. You don't have to go through it forever. He gives you peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He did it for you. And so here's the deal. I I, I experienced, I believe, i I really experienced a lot of real anxiety. It wasn't just the cute, like, uh, pray, pray it away kind of anxiety. It was real. Here's some things that, um, practical tips that I learned from, from this time. I want to share with some practical tips for anxiety for you today. Um, number one is, is control what you can control because you can't control what you can not control. <laughs> control what you can control. You can't control them. You can't control the mood that they're in. You can't control how you make them feel. You can't control that. Control what you can control. Number two is uh, you are not what you feel. If you're feeling fearful or you're feeling feared, you're not fearful. If you're feeling anxious, you're not an anxious person. Well, she's just always an anxious person. No. If you're feeling bored, You're not a boring person. If you're feeling what you're, you are not what you feel. And then also um, just a practical tip, breathing. Breathing is a huge deal when it comes to anxiety. And it's just simple. It's just, here's a tip, just breathe in. And then on the breathe out, just say something. And for me, it's just Jesus wins. Jesus wins, Jesus wins, Jesus wins. As I breathe in, I breathe out. Jesus wins, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Maybe that you can say that for yourself, or maybe you can come up with something else that's more personal for you. And then finally, I said this earlier, uh, Don't. this is a psychology word, so I'm not that good. I'm not that fancy. This is not something that I came up with, okay? Um, don't catastrophize, which basically means uh, don't play out every possible scenario in your mind. Don't play that movie in your mind Don't play that film reel in your mind for the older folks. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, Don't play that in your mind. Don't play every bad scenario out in your mind because you're just putting yourself in this hole in this this rut of anxiety. You don't want to be there. So that's some practical tips that I have for you. Uh, Verse 32, as we pop back in the story, the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and they let it drift away. And that's when they said, I can't do this anymore. God, it's all you. And I don't know what you're facing today. I really don't. But here's what I know that you need to say to God. I can't do it anymore. I need you. I can't work this job. I can't come up with new ideas. I can't do anything. I can't lead a family. I can't do my role as a son or as a daughter. I can't do this anymore, but I need you. And I promise you, he will come into your life. He will change it from the inside out. He will give you peace. He will give you a purpose and he will give you hope. I learned from a podcast this past week, hope, H-O-P-E, hold on, pain ends. Hope, hold on, pain ends. He will give you hope. Continuing on at the the end of the story. So they cut off the anchors and let them into the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed to the shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure that they didn't swim ashore and escape. (laughs) But uh, the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul. So he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. Then the others held onto the planks or the debris from the broken ship. So everybody escaped safely to shore And that's the moment when so many people went, jumped out of safety into uncertainty. And we know that our sense of safety as humans is nothing compared to the sense of safety that comes from faith in Jesus Christ. And now, like I said before, faith is evidence of things hoped for and certainty of things that that is not seen. So sometimes we have to make the jump. If we're making a seven faith, we have to dive into the waters of uncertainty, and it takes faith to float. <laughs> Just grab onto whatever you can grab onto, but it takes faith to float in the waters of uncertainty. But if it, did, if it wasn't for this story, if it wasn't for the pain that, that Paul experienced in this story, uh, he, he wouldn't have wrote these words. And he eventually got to Rome, and he wrote these words, and these were some verses for me in this quarantine. He wrote Philippians in chains, in quarantine, in Rome, it says this, Philippians four, six through seven. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say, I've lived to learn. I've learned to live with a little, and I've learned to live with a lot. But in verse 13, it says, I can do anything. I can do everything. I can do a pandemic, I can do anxiety, I can do fear, I can do worry, I can do uncertainty through Christ who gives me strength. It's not I who live, but it's Jesus Christ who lives in me because in everything, God's working it out. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, we have some response questions that we're gonna put on the screen in a little bit. I want you to, uh, to go through with your family and, and talk through these response questions. I also want you to listen to two songs if you can. First is Promises by Maverick City City Music. It's a great song. I love it. And then the next one is uh, He is Lord by Elevation. We sing that song here at church. He'll see me through like before. He is Lord. He is Lord. I'm not afraid anymore because He is Lord. He is Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for what you're doing. We thank you for taking our anxiety, for taking our pain, for taking everything from us on the cross. God, we give our life to you. Take everything that we have left because we want to live for you. We're done trying to live from and for ourselves. We want to live for you. In your awesome name we pray, amen. Thanks for watching this week, guys. See you later.